0: The information provided on this podcast is for general information purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your qualified health provider with any questions you may have. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. Reliance on any information provided here is solely at your own risk.
1: Welcome, this is birth, baby. Your hosts are Sierra Morgan and Samantha Kelly. Sierra is a birth doula, hypnobirthing educator, and pediatric sleep consultant.
0: Samantha is a birth doula, childbirth educator, and lactation counselor. Join us as we guide you through your options for your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum journey. Today, we have Anya Castile with us. Anya is a mom, midwife, doula, and childbirth educator who's been supporting women on their childbirth journey since 2015. She deeply believes in every woman's ability to give birth. Her ultimate goal is to inspire and empower women around the world, and we have her here today to talk about a really fun topic, to us, which is big babies. Thanks so much for being here today, Anya. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs>
1: So tell us a little bit about you and your family.
2: Okay. Well, um, as you said, I'm a mom. It's the first thing that, that comes to my mind. Um, I have a almost seven-year-old son. And uh, that's my story into the birth world become, you know, started before that. But he definitely made me who i am right now and his birth made me um the midwife i am right now i believe you know Uh, so i came to the states when i was probably seven months pregnant very 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 much pregnant uh the whole idea was to give a home birth i always wanted it at the time, um, me and uh, my son's dad we lived in Europe, in Hungary, in Budapest, where home births were illegal. You know, and uh, it's um, you kind of can have a home birth, but no one can assist you in it, and it's it's illegal for the provider. So. Uh, we were we were thinking about moving anyway and so we were like what this is a good time right now I'm pregnant you know let's let's just start it you know in a different country we moved here and I was trying to find a home birth midwife uh, back in 2016 which was really hard you know because everyone
0: was fully booked or they were like who are you? <laughs> yeah, at seven months pregnant, that's pretty difficult to find a provider at seven months pregnant.
2: Even more, I didn't have a prenatal care before, you know, like, I kind of did the prenatal care for myself, you know, <laughs> I was, I was very radical at that time, I was 22 years old, I'm like, I can't handle it all by myself. So, uh, (laughs) and everyone was a little bit scared of me. It feels like now I understand, you know, my English was zero. So I was only one thing I could do is uh, typing through the Google translator. You know, I couldn't even talk, you know, because. You know what I just thought of?
0: Yeah. You know how there's all those scams that go around? Yes. So people probably thought you were a scammer, like I'm speaking English and I'm seven months pregnant and I need a midwife for home birth and I haven't had any prenatal care, like that just screams scam.
2: I actually met the midwife, I, I don't remember who was it, and she was like, I remember you emailed me and I thought it was a scam and literally 90% just did not respond to me even, you know? I don't so doubt funny. it. I don't it doubt was, it. it awesome? know I do understand when I'm a midwife, you know?
0: was okay. this in austin it
2: was in austin okay. exactly.
0: so <laughs> so
2: the rest were they were responding and sorry we're fully booked you know we cannot take care of you uh the 10% that responded me I didn't align with you know because i was uh again as i said i was really a radical i was working as a doula before already before my pregnancy i started and um I'm like, I don't want the Doppler. I don't want the vaginal exam. Zero, like, and I was, you know, so firm. You know, it's it's not like, well, maybe one exam. No exams. You know, no Doppler. Maybe a little bit sometimes when you're no Doppler. So I was like, I want this. I want this. I want that. And everyone was like, you're crazy. Okay. <laughs> and actually, I ended up. Um, not having a midwife, you know, and uh, um, I am originally from Russia uh, where the situation with the home birth is the same as in Budapest. It's illegal. You can have a home birth, but it's illegal for the provider uh, to assist you. In it. And uh, that's why uh, you hear not a lot, but you hear the stories about the unassisted birth, you know, because unfortunately, that's the only one option you know, uh, not safe, but option. So, and I've heard about that and I started researching it and I was like, okay, I guess I don't, I literally, I don't have a midlife, you know, but I I want to have a home birth. So I'm just going to do it by myself.
0: (laughs) And
2: young people Uh, really
0: are like invincible. We really yeah. think when we're young that we're invincible. So you're probably like, yeah. oh, these people don't know what they're talking about." I'm 22. I've got this. I'm gonna have my you own darn it. baby at home by myself.
2: Exactly. You know, definitely. There, there was, um, there was lots of thinking. You know, there was lots of thinking and lots of lots of preparation. You know, um, I read obstetric books. You know, like, like that. You know, I was just like whatever I could find. You know, I I read not a doula, not like inspiring things, but things that can go wrong. You know, like how I can uh, on a natural way from what I have stop the hemorrhage, or I took resuscitation, the unable resuscitation course. So you know, like I've been like very very much pregnant and just to know what to do if my baby needs resuscitation, you know, like I really took responsibility. It was not like, you know, airy-fairy. Oh, I'm just going to do it at home, you know, and everything's going to be fine. No, I knew exactly what can go wrong, you know, and what I can possibly do. And uh, I remember uh, talking to myself mostly uh, that, it was a really big shift in my mind. Um, I I I clearly understood that it's, for example, if there is shoulder dystocia, I cannot do anything. You know, it's impossible. And his dad, who is the only one person who were there, you know, won't be able to do anything. You know, he did not read any books. <laughs> he was not really participating much in it. <laughs> you know, but um i i knew that because of my maybe stupid who knows decision uh you know he can die or i can die because it will take if if it's a true hemorrhage you know i won't be able to stop it with herbs you know or whatever placenta or if it's a retained placenta and and stuff like i knew that it will take five minutes and we won't be able to get to the hospital in time you know and i can die And I remember thinking about that, you know, and I remember like, is it worth it? And I was praying, I was meditating and I listened to myself and at some point I felt like, yes, it's worth it, you know, and I know now that I would never, ever be able to have the birth I had, you know anywhere or with anyone you know because mm-hmm. he was full 42 weeks full 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 on top on the dot you know wow and um uh, exactly and he was 10 and a half pounds, ten pounds 10.5 oh my goodness it, it, exact you know amazing and exactly you're listening to me if you would see me i am uh, um five, uh, five seven. And uh, my weight is usually 100. Oh so
0: my gosh. I, yeah. <laughs> You're teeny <team> tiny. tiny. <laughs> T and I'm, tall. Yes.
2: I'm teeny tiny tall. Exactly. Ballerina. So, yeah. Um, that's, that, I feel like that's what makes me who I am. You know, yeah. that's what really put me into the, um, you know, questioning. Date yeah. size, you know, stuff like And I know old. we're
0: not, I know we're here to talk about big babies, but I do have yeah. to ask you I know this isn't technically a <laughs> birth story episode, but I have to know how long you were in labor with that big old baby.
2: <laughs> so, um, from the first contraction I ever felt, like first, first, like, you know, the one I was walking outside and there's like, ah, breaks and kicks again, uh, eight hours until he was born.
1: Oh my wow. so, Lanta!
2: So yes, uh, I was walking in the evening for two hours, and I was keep having the contractions. And I remember at some point I start stop stopping, you know, because i like I just cannot walk through it anymore, you know. I stop, and then I walk, and I stop, and then I walk. And I remember Leo's dad, he's like, "Are you in labor?" And I'm like, "No, this is just Brexton Higgs." And he's like. <laughs> Are you sure? I am like, "Yeah, I'm 42 weeks, girls." I thought that he's gonna live inside me, you know, th- that until 18 at least, you know, because uh, <laughs> I mean, he's never coming he's, out. He's, he's chill. He's he's good, you know. It's he's safe. He's protected, you know. I'm like, oh, there's no need to come out, right? You know, I'm I'm I'm, t- I'm totally. I'm like, I'm never gonna be in labor at that time, and yeah, uh, and then I remember like last last thing he say after like maybe 30 minutes he's like well Anya just so you know your Braxton Hicks every three minutes and I'm like thanks for letting me know okay you know we went back home and uh, everything's just started picking up really fast you know from from these eight hours two hours I was pushing
1: wow that's amazing big baby Big baby. baby. But I think that's such a like birth is kind of designed. I say this in my in my childbirth class. Birth is designed to happen with no one else around. Right. Like our bodies just kind of know what to do. And a lot of times if people are left to be undisturbed and to listen to their bodies, it is going to go faster. And it is. And when you are so in tune with your body and trusting in yourself and all that preparation you did i'm sure helped so much you don't know you don't you you
2: know like in the beginning that's what i talk i teach every, every my client distract yourself in the beginning you know don't start laboring don't start breathing you know doing your technique or whatever don't even wake up your partner i always say just you start feeling it well i don't know Try to lay down. Try to take a bath. Walk. Um, you know, read a book. Do something like no, this is Braxton and Hicks, I'm not in labor. You know, because it will really mentally it helps you so much because you're you don't even count that you started you know laboring yet, and uh, because this this part can be, be very long, and I believe you know that, um, you know again on physiological level. Uh, closer to birth, we well, our body release really more like relaxing. You know, everything is opening, everything is shifting, everything is you know getting more ready. So if you wait, and yes, sometimes it's forty two weeks. You know, but your body did so much work, invisible work before
0: that. I love so that you invisible work, work. Yeah, you don't. So I know, I know you yeah. said that you were a doula before and that he really made you a midwife kind of what what got you into birth work before even having your own kids because I know that some people do but I'm always so intrigued at what what got them into that work right
2: I was completely uh, not in a theme you know I was uh, uh, at first I was a theatrical actress I studied in Russia in theatrical academy Uh, then I Went to Budapest. The reason why maybe we moved to Hungary uh, to study ballet. So, you know, I went to a dance uh, ballet academy. a Really big one in Europe. There was people from all the Europe, from Germany, from France, you know, from Poland, from Italy. And um, I studied there for a year. And I, either I still do not understand, either I got really burned out or But I remember feeling uh, that I'm wasting my time, you know. I'm like, I'm not changing anything. I'm not doing anything, you know. I'm like, who cares about that? You know, at some point, I start feeling that, like, all I do is, you know, just for fun and doesn't have any impact. And um, I got into such a deep um, feeling, I left um, and I, le- I at some point I went back to Russia and stayed for a couple of months with my mom. I don't know, we were not even talking, you know, I was like, I did not know what to do. I was completely lost. And at some point I woke up in the morning and I'm like, I want to go to India. I was doing yoga every, since I was, you know, 18 or 16, something like that. And I'm like, I want to go to India, study yoga, and you know, I don't know. It's an absolutely irrational thing, you know. But I love it. All my best decisions in my life, you know, I made it was all irrational, you know. <laughs> when I listened to myself, and I was like, well, I don't know. It sounds crazy, but I'm going. And my mom is the same way, and she's like, whoa, sounds cool. Yeah. Do you need the? I have I have money for the ticket. I don't have money for anything else. And I was like, "Thank you, mom." So she supported me, and I went to India for a month, studied yoga, and uh, that's where I felt. Uh, we were meditating a lot, practicing a lot, uh, living a shram the whole time, and uh, that's where I felt I want to work with women. I did not even understand what does it mean. You know, I swear at the time, I did not know the word to lower midwife. I was so far from from all these births, you know, and kids and stuff. Um, but I very I, it's physical or in your body. You feel like you want to work with women. And I'm like, OK, now I start, you know, logically thinking where are all the women prenatal yoga. Right. So uh, from India, I went to China and I took the uh, big uh, prenatal yoga uh, course, uh, prenatal, you know, instructor course. And our instructor was a doula and she was telling us all these stories. And I'm like, oh, this sounds like so amazing. And I came back to Europe and I started reading all the books and I had my uh, classes, first classes, yoga you know, I was like, I'm not a doula, you know, come on, you know, I'm, I'm a yoga instructor, you know, and I started having clients and deep classes and one girl comes to me once and she's like, I really like your voice and I like your presence. Can you come with me on the birth? Like, I don't want my, 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 my husband is really, you know, makes me insane and, and he's, he's not helpful in all of this,
0: but like c- can can you be my doula? That gives me the chills. Like you yeah, weren't like, even out there looking for clients. You just no. want to be with women, and she Absolutely. comes to you and finds she you. She comes
2: to me. How beautiful! Me. And yeah, we we still are friends, you know. And uh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, oh, of course, I'm free woman, you know. Like I don't have kids, you know. I can be on call. Just call me anytime. And that birth. I still remember it, yet now I have chills, you know, because I vividly remember her moving, her sound, you know, it was my first birth, you know, like I've ever seen in my life. And uh, it was beautiful, I was lucky, because I know many stories of different midwives and doulas who had a very rough beginning, you know, I was very, very lucky, it was beautiful, first time, hospital birth. You know, uh, and and I remember uh, night, it it took night. I came at 9 p.m. and at 6 a.m. I left, you know, and I remember I was staying at the bus stop and I swear I, I was calling every single person I could. You know, I, I called my, my dad first, he's always my support. I was like, Dad, you cannot imagine. I've seen a miracle, you know, that was a miracle. <laughs> That was so cool. Yeah, he was like, he's just listening to me all the time. You know, he's a really good listener. And then I call everyone. I call my mom. My mom's like, how can you be interested in that? I'm like, mom, you don't understand. Seriously, you know, she had both traumatic births with me, my brother, you know. Very usual. And then she's like, this is, this is, not, this is not sound good, you know. I there called everyone. Nothing? No one understood. I was like 20 years, you know, 21 or something and everyone was like what are you talking about you know i was like guys that's how you find so a
1: birth cool. worker in the wild when we when we can't shut up about it cuz it is that's it's such amazing. a miracle i mean okay. all of us have have been doing this for so many years now and every time it's still every like with that birth high and you know 100%. we've seen it a million times but it's amazing Absolutely. you know it
0: it gives me when you said you told her just call me anytime you know i'm free i can come It made me think for just a second, like, can you just imagine being before the time and being a birth worker before the time Mm -hmm. of easy communication with telephones Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how, I mean, I'm constantly attached to my phone. My phone is my lifeline to all of our clients and being able to have them have access to me anytime. But it just... Is such a wild thing to think about. Like somebody might have had to come and get you from the, from
2: your it house. Is. Exactly, from your house or from someone's house if it's during yeah. the day. You know, trying to call everyone and see where you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I feel like we have uh, we have that downside with it. You know, we are a little bit on a you know chronic underlying stress and a little oh, yeah. bit of anxiety. I think yeah, all three of
1: us true. have our phones right here in uh in our eye line and our our grasp just in case. Exactly. We all just picked Please. them, them up. Babies. You guys can't see at home. But we just
0: picked them up and showed them like <laughs> there was no second delay, zero second delay from us all being able to pick them up. But you're right, it is also <laughs> is birth a work a, a, down, a downside. Because also our clients feel that they can just reach out to us anytime, which in one way, I'm glad that they have that support, but also sometimes it makes them not listen to their own voice and kind of rely on that outside source. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I see is the most in my world.
2: Again, coming from my experience that shaped me, you know, I do believe that no one knows better than the woman you know no one doctor no one midwife not a concilium of doctors and midwives all together you know i tell all my clients i like well i can share my knowledge i can share my experience you know my wisdom but i'm not in your body you are in your body you know better you know because many women um you are afraid to trust your insignia. You 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 don't know you know or uh it's it, it, it's it's interesting because so many women ask you know as a doula too which position how should, yeah, I, should-, how should I breathe you know yeah. and um in the beginning as a doula i was like yeah let's try this let's try that you know like thinking mm-hmm. again logic and now i constantly ask them how do you feel mm-hmm. what works better i don't know you yeah. know and some of them get really annoyed, you know, by me. But i was like, yeah, you 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 chose
0: you chose this life, you know. <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna tell you. Yeah. So you went from doula, who was kind of just watching and and trying these things, to then deciding after you had your son that you knew that was going to put you into midwifery care eventually. And you had a really big baby. So would you say that you having a big baby also and having a free birth influenced how you approach midwifery care? Cause I know you said before it was kind of a crazy 100%. idea and radical, but um, does that, that changed how you practice. A hundred percent. You know, I mean, again,
2: I come from the idea that woman has to have a choice, you know, and this is the most important thing it's not like well yes the risks are this and this and that you know but you cannot push woman you know to get an induction just because of these risks or something you know be- because i i do believe she needs to understand that and that's 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 what i see in my role you know to explain her this is the risks. this is the benefits you know but we have say we have three ways of knowing mm. you know um our you know modern knowing is like all this evidence-based information facts, statistics numbers all of that um our instincts you know completely irrational thing our gut feeling you know but you know like yes this is insane it's a, mm, like it's I don't know. It might be not safe, but I feel like it, you know. And primal knowing, yeah. it's you know from our ancestors. It's you know again like very like animal thing, and you can make a true informed decision only putting all these knowings together, because otherwise you know it's 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 one side. And again, birth, we are more like animals. You know, we cannot just come from the brain, from the statistics,
0: from the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a saying, you can or you can't, and whichever way you think, you're right. And I think that, you know, for example, we have a client right now who is said to have, she's going to have a very large baby. She's like 5'11", her husband's 6'3", and they're estimating that her baby's going to be very large, but she's afraid of it. And her gut tells her that she shouldn't have a big baby, even though she is a tall woman. And there are other things that are making her gut say, I don't think that this is safe. And then we have other moms who are like, I can totally have a big baby. I'm not afraid of that Mm -hmm. big baby. And Mm -hmm. both ways are right. And I don't think it's necessarily that um, you were scared. So then you couldn't Mm -hmm. do it. I think it's your body knew something would go wrong. And so you didn't choose it. Mm -hmm. And then the other way, your body knew you would be okay. And so you were. And so I think exactly. that that listening to that instinct is so so huge. It is huge. It's it's the key,
2: you know. Listen to yourself always, 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 and get into this. Because yes, I I I've seen it, you know, for the whole past years. Uh, I've seen sometimes women to the homegirls, and nothing is progressing, and nothing is moving, and like we're stuck, and you don't understand what's going on. But then, as soon as we move to the hospital everything is just like unfolds and you have a baby in two hours you know and well somewhere deep inside her she felt more safe at the hospital near the surgery near the uh, I don't know NICU and stuff so you really need to listen to yourself this is this is the key You're, you there is no right or wrong place to give birth that's for yeah. sure
1: that's huge you know? so so huge and we push that we talk about that all the time with our clients. Your your gut is the most important thing when we're talking yeah. about where to give birth. Yes, statistically, yeah. birthing at home is, is safe. Birthing with a midwife yeah. is safe, you know? And, and yeah. we think that in most cases, that's something that should be considered at least. But if your gut is telling you not to deliver yeah. at home that that's not where you should have your baby then exactly like you said we might be looking at a stalled labor where we end up having to right. transfer anyways and your right. body doesn't allow that baby to move until we get to the end it's it's something that us OBs birth workers see all the time
2: i want to add just one thing this mm-hmm. is what i like
1: after right after
2: birth and i keep thinking about it years and years and years i believe if someone would tell me Anya, you're gonna have a ten pound baby. I don't think I would do it. I don't. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't do it. Definitely wouldn't do it by myself. And I'm not sure I would do it at home. Yeah, you know, because my logic would, you know, turn on for sure. And I was like, "Are you crazy? He is definitely going to stuck. Yeah, you are not that shoulder dystocia. You you said that you wouldn't." He is huge. He was huge. So I mean, from the uh, again shoulder distortion, something um another big topic uh, that's I'm passionate about. Uh, it took three contractions from birth of his head to birth of the body. Is it mm-hmm. shoulder distortion? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> but you who didn't knows? need to
0: qualify it as anything, right? Yeah. And I don't who think knows? that she would mind me sharing this. But we recently had a mom who kept being told that she was going to have a ten-pound baby. Oh, yeah. baby. You're going to have a ten-pound baby. You're going to have a ten-pound baby, and she was like, Sierra, I'm not <laughs> worried about having a ten-pound baby. I'm like I'm not worried about it, and my belly is not that big. I really don't think it's going to be a ten-pound baby." Mm-hmm. And we get to the hospital, she's doing great, and she people keep coming in. And saying, Oh, you're the one with the 10 pound baby. <laughs> they had written it on a board in the yeah, nurse's yeah, area, yeah. room so and so suspected yeah. big baby. And at one point, she lost control of yeah. her pain management and being able to deal with it. And she looked at me, she's like, I need an epidural. I need it. I need it. I need it. And I was like, yeah. You know, we talked through it and she decided to get one. And she looked at me afterward and she goes, They scared me. I was yeah. really afraid that he was too big or she was yeah. too big. And, Um, the baby was nine and a half pounds, but she did great and her body was fine, but her body did not open until we got that epidural and relaxed and slept because she was so scared.
1: And
2: that's exactly. And that's good that it worked out because I had a, a mama, it did not work out, even though it was her second baby. First one, almost nine pounds, easy birth in Russia back, you know. Uh, No complications, no epidural, unmedicated, you know, she's capable. Uh, This time, of course, ultrasound, 10-pound baby, and risk of shoulder dystocia. Um, And uh, unfortunately, obviously, pushed her into induction. Every single appointment called her. She stopped picking up the phone, you know. And um, in labor, we come to the hospital. She was as soon as we come, I think she was seven or eight. And since that, we had two doctors who come and explain all the worst case scenarios if um, the shoulder dystocia happens. And I've never even heard about thing like that, and i and I already had my education my midwife for education, but this doctor said, sometimes when the head is born, but the body is not born, I need, I will need to push the head inside and do the C-section and it can, you know, damage the baby's neck and the baby can be paralyzed.
0: And I'm like, this is- And what parent after hearing that is going to go, yeah, let's try it
2: that's right yeah exactly sounds good you know yeah i still believe in myself you know because yeah. and she's like in from you know from our point she's like i don't care i don't care she was trying to block it you know i don't care i don't care i don't want to listen to it i don't and and she was saying i don't want to listen to it and they was like we have to you know we have to explain you know we're we're trying to save mama save baby this is our ultimate goal you know girls she never opened up more than eight centimeters yeah we've it's been in the hospital casting. for 12 hours yeah. we got bedural. she did not want it for pain management at all but the doctor said i think you should get it you know because you're like you're stalled you know your body's like and we got the bedural. nothing changed she had a c-section in the end, and it was eight pounds like 12 ounces baby Ugh. like her first one
0: totally normal baby
2: yeah. totally normal baby
1: Oh, uh, yeah. so what is a big baby and, and how do doctors decide that you have one?
2: Exactly. This is a good question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so ultrasound,
2: you know, this is the thing. Uh, we are as a midwives, you know, we, we feel, we feel the baby, you know, we feel the growth and you see, you come and you constantly checking, you know, okay, you can, Approximately feel like, okay, this is the size of the head, this is, you know, this is how big the baby is. And uh, you kind of more involved in, into the, you know, into this growing process. Um, doctors, not really. They do believe ultrasounds more than their hands, you know, or eyes, even, or ears, you know. Mm. But, No one talks about uh, margin of error with the ultrasound, especially closer to birth. You know, it becomes less and less accurate. But most of the time, this becomes, uh, um, you know, the reason for all these inductions, or even sometimes funny enough plant c-sections unfortunately it it, w- it wouldn't be f- funny if i was not to do it for that mom um yeah and it, that's why you see you know you can believe in woman as much as you want but then you hear the doctor who says you know you're gonna have a big baby whatever and and the big baby they um uh, everything was nine and more, they call big baby. So it's
1: over big. nine pounds. Over nine pounds.
0: Exactly. Okay. Everything was- Not eight pounds, 12 pounds. ounces, like that other girl. <sighs> exactly. You know, exactly this, is, right. this is so huge too, because um, my husband plays soccer. And when we went to one of his soccer games, I actually had a mom in labor texting mm-hmm. me and I ended up having to go. But one of the older okay. women there knew what I was doing. I Mm -hmm. knew that I was like, maybe going to have to leave because I was talking to everybody about who could drive my husband and my kids home (laughs) because I was going to be taking my car. (laughs) And she said, oh, did you know that with my oldest son, they told me I had to have him at 37 weeks because he was too big. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And this was like, you know, 25 years ago. And I said, "Um, well, what happened? And she said, well, I had him at 37 weeks because they told me I had to because he was too big already. And he was born at five pounds and had to be in the NICU. Surprise, and, surprise. Yeah. Shocker. And I was like, you know, that is what we see. We see that the margin of error here is huge. And, yeah. um, you know, we we had a mom that was told that her baby was going to be 11 pounds, 11 and a half yeah. pounds, they said. Yeah. And she ended up having a cesarean for extremely high blood pressure with a very yeah. last minute, like 40 weeks in one day. Yeah. And I only reason I was excited we were having that baby at 40 weeks one day is because I got to see how big the baby actually Mm -hmm. was when they said that's when it was going to be 11 and a half pounds. And she was nine pounds, five ounces. And this was a big, beautiful Brazilian woman who knew that her body could have a big baby. And she was like, I'm not afraid of a big baby. But then she was like, ha, it wasn't an 11 and a half pound baby, you know? And so we're trusting this tool that actually, the further along you are in pregnancy, the less accurate it is. And exactly. at that 36-week mark, all of a sudden, people are calling it the Bible on yeah. whether or not we're having a big baby. And we're making decisions based on that. It's wild. Yeah.
2: Even more, there is uh, literally last month, I had, uh, I had one mama like that, and my uh, colleague, she had two doula clients <laughs> with this st- different doctors different even hospitals but same idea um, we can we can research it there is whatever I and it's not even new research but uh, by measuring uh, baby's abdomen you know I think it, it if it gets like over fifty percentile I'm not hundred percent sure or something they uh, all these doctors and I I I researched all the internet I couldn't find this information but all these doctors said it's 100% shoulder dystocia 100% like I was like you cannot say 100% you know like nothing is 100% in this world in general you okay, let's know, let's like, touch our
1: bets here folks
2: <laughs> uh, no 100% so I'm calling Vegas uh, <laughs> that's what <I'm laughs> A <best> to to <laughs> exactly and uh, I was like okay okay sounds good obviously uh my my mama is the second second birth i was her doula first time four years ago beautiful amazing birth and i was like okay well let's see and her plan was if she doesn't go into labor by 39 weeks uh they schedule c-section at 39 weeks because shoulder dystocia and apparently now shoulder dystocia is uh more dangerous than c-section I don't. And we're accept. not even gonna
0: try to induce at 39 weeks. We're just jumping to C-section. We just jump into C-section and okay. in a second baby,
2: second sure. baby. And uh, obviously, anything what I'm saying is, it's is nothing to compare to that. There's big research, hundred percent. You know, of course, oh, of course. And on the she goes in labor at 38 weeks. You know, was good somehow, and. Uh, It was insane, guys, how they prepared for the birth. They put the steps to, you know, and I know, I'm, you know, I know like it's for, you know, for, for the nurse to press on the shoulder and and stuff, Mm -hmm. full, big room, everyone, there is like NICU team, everyone, like they literally hundred percent shoulder dystocia, like we're, we're, we're already there. Everyone is so so nervous you know like it, it's, it's in the air um baby was eight pounds mm-hmm. like one ounce or something uh and come all in one push amazing all, like doctor did not even have time to manipulate
1: you know she was like <laughs> he was like now
0: so just flying out
1: Oh, I love to hear it. It's amazing. For people who
0: are listening, for people who are listening and didn't understand the stool reference. Uh, we've had some people lately go, "You guys understand things that we don't understand and then you don't explain." <laughs> them. So I have a feeling this might be one. So yeah, if you if if there is a shoulder dystocia or a suspected shoulder dystocia, they will bring a stool up next to the bedside to help a nurse be a little bit taller so that they can okay. reach on top of the mother and Apply pressure to her abdomen to the, to the top of her fundus to push the baby out and try to manipulate the baby inside so that the baby can be able to come out vaginally. Um, and it's kind of not super comfortable for mom and they pull her yeah. legs back really far. And this is like somebody from yeah, the outside this one, trying to push. Yeah, a lot of different yeah. maneuvers that they can yeah, use. Yeah, this
2: one is for suprapubic pressure mostly. Yes. There you go. You know she when. knows the terms. Exactly. When when the nurse press, you know, right um, above the pubic bone. So because that's most of the time, that's where shoulder stuck, you know, just just this bone, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, behind. And she just press on it really hard, you know, very forcefully and it just like unclogged it yeah
1: you know helps to get baby yeah. shoulder to kind of pop down a little
0: so when men hear about someone's penis getting hurt or like their <laughs> testicles being hurt and they like cringe when you said the thing about like pushing down on the pubic bone to get the shoulder i felt my gut like retract <laughs> like i could feel that with I don't even have a uterus anymore I've had a hysterectomy I felt it my uterus was in there for a second feeling that pressure feeling I mean, but the reality is, is not comfortable.
1: it's not comfortable but the reality is just for anybody who has ever had to have this or who may have to have it in the future they do this because that's still safer than you know yeah. some of the other maneuvers that they do and there are other there are other maneuvers that they would try before that especially if you are with a talented midwife like anya who has done all of these oh i mean yeah m- the, the, you know, that, trainings it's, for shoulder dystonia
2: yeah when you are this this is the thing you know you you move it's all about the movements you know yeah. and, and you're not on your back time, exactly you're not on your back when you're on your back you know your diameter of your pelvis decreases like I think almost like one and a half inch or something yep. you know here we are you know sometimes you just need to move to your hands oh, and the the knees, knees to the lunge the you side. know get out of the tub or you know all the movements and most of the time that's the, that's the first step absolutely there are lots of things you can try you can do there's lots of maneuvers and again I've never read in any obstetric book that you can push the baby's head inside and do a c-section this is not safe That's this enough. like it it should not like she shouldn't say it out loud you know because if i was a mom i would definitely sue her for that you know i'm like yeah this is maybe it. your really brilliant idea but you can kill the baby this way for sure
0: And so we just kind of gave a glimpse into one of the next questions we had for you, which is you're saying, you know, move positions and things like that. But what does someone with a big baby need to do differently? Like what are some things that you suggest when someone has a quote unquote suspected large baby or um, what do they do differently to help make their outcomes better?
2: definitely movement is a key movement you know and uh, I am still doing yoga I'm still in my deep heart a yoga instructor and uh, I value it a lot and I see how you know how certain positions in pregnancy you know can help you to open it up and just generally mm, especially in this country I do believe that's one of the big problems why we, I don't know, labor stock, we have, you know, high intervention rate and stuff. Uh, We sit way too much, you know. We sit at home, we sit at work, we sit in the car. Even to go to walk, you need to sit before, you know, to get to the place to walk. I remember that was insane in the very beginning. And uh, at least I, I tell, uh, I, I mean, I tell everyone, doesn't matter what size of the baby you're having, you should walk at least two hours a day, you know. Start with one and bring it up to two closer to birth. You know, what it does, it really, you know, it lubricates all your pelvis and it makes it movable, it makes it flexible. It just you know makes it breathe all what we need you you don't even need to do uh i don't know any exercises or any anything anything special just like walk. just go for a
0: walk, you don't need to curb mm-hmm. walk you don't need to mm-hmm. yeah just, just, walk. Jogging just walk up
1: a hill, just go on a sidewalk,
0: <laughs> and well, I think that that's like such a big thing too because people are trying to do all the things and then they're like going hard, right? Going Mm -hmm. real hard with all of the exercises Mm -hmm. that they're doing, but not all of those exercises are actually serving you well for preparing you for birth. And especially in the United States, we just are so freaking busy that we're Mm -hmm. constantly sitting because we're on our computers or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we're not going down to the river to collect Mm -hmm. water and squatting down Mm -hmm. and cleaning our floors Mm -hmm. on our hands and Mm -hmm. knees and things like that, which makes it Mm -hmm. a requirement that we actually put in an effort to take a walk. And Mm -hmm. I also think it's interesting that you say that because, you know, there are some people that will say like don't don't tire yourself out before labor Mm -hmm. and going Mm -hmm. on a couple of hour walk could potentially really tire you out. But Mm -hmm. if you've been doing it your whole pregnancy, it's not going to be hundred percent as tiring.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent.
0: Second thing, I ask
2: at least my clients uh, to throw out the chair and sit exclusively on the ball you know everywhere you go ball goes with you dining chair ball computer chair ball
1: you know i want to see some couch. people rolling up to. don't sit on the couch don't don't lean back you know ball you know i want to see Play... some people like rolling up to Chili's with their birth ball in the back of their truck and just say hey i'm gonna i'm actually gonna use my chair thanks <laughs>
0: <What>? <laughs> i love it that's fantastic Yeah, so because advice. sitting on your sacrum <laughs> Is so awful. So sitting on your sit bones beside your sacrum, and that birthing ball or whatever makes it a little bit more difficult. It to sit makes back it on your rigid.
2: Sacrum. You know, it makes it rigid. All the bones, and and and, and especially if uh, um, to you know to the big baby, we have older mama. You know, like who's maybe over thirty-five, and her bones are more rigid. It's just physiology. You know. But it, it doesn't matter. She needs to do more. You know, she needs to walk more. She needs to, you know, exactly uh, work on this mobility. And I, I, I always talk, you know, try to exactly, because we're definitely overdoing all of us, especially women, feels like. Um, just try to incorporate it in your daily life. You know, turn on the music while you're cooking, while you're cleaning, move your hips, you know, constantly. Don't stay just, just solid, you know, just, you're brushing your teeth, hips. There are so many fun teeth, videos right now hips.
0: about that. Yeah. Like yeah. just moving your hips and like the amount of energy and positive energy that that brings to your body. And it kind of shakes out all the negativity. Absolutely. It feels kind of silly,
2: but it works. It works. And it's so easy, you know, like you don't need to do anything special, you know, because you're gonna clean no matter what you're gonna cook no matter what you're gonna brush your teeth no matter what just make it a fun you know you you bring oxytocin up you bring dopamine up you move your hips you know you make it all again bring more air in between the bones it's 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 it's, it's, it's not that difficult to be very honest you know so and then the posture uh, two, I I explain, you know, how our posture uh, affects on the uh, baby position inside of the uterus. You know, because I believe it doesn't matter what size of the baby. This is about the position of the baby. It can be seven pound baby who can get stuck and have a horrible shoulder dystocia. I've seen it. And it was seven pound baby who would be prepared no one was prepared and it was hospital about it no you don't think about it you think like yes 10 pound baby means shoulder dystocia not necessarily as a provider just generally you have to be ready for shoulder dystocia for every single birth i am ready for every single birth doesn't matter what size of the baby you know how you can be like you can you can't put everyone into the induction at thirty eight weeks. You cannot just schedule C section for everyone at thirty-nine weeks. It's it's not safe. It's 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 inhumane, you know?
0: Yeah. But I this have, is your provider, you need to be prepared. I have a random question for you real quick, and this is totally yeah. out of order and this wasn't on your Please? list. So But <laughs> I tell people all the time that the biggest danger of having a big baby is a provider that is afraid of a big exactly. baby can you exactly. kind of explain why
2: and uh, it's not only about the big baby it's about everything you know provider who who has lots of fears and doesn't trust into the birth process is not going to be a good provider for you that's just that's just it you know because um they uh, when when you have the fear, it just turn out your brain you, you again you you stop thinking rationally, and you you're act,
0: intervening, yeah, and you, you act. act,
2: and most of the time, it's not what it's needed, you know yeah. uh it's lack of patience. The same with shoulder dystocia, you know. They call shoulder dystocia everything. If the baby's body does not come after baby's head, they call it shoulder dystocia. Yeah, I mean, we have been talking we, about this in my classes it lately. every single time, you know. Yes, we don't call it shoulder dystocia, it's a two step delivery. Sorry. Exactly, I'm sorry, it's lack of patience, you know, and yes. lack of contraction. We need a contraction. It's not the baby stuck. You know, we need the contraction for this force to help this baby to turn and come out.
0: So for what those we listening- need, your
2: patience and, uh,
0: you know, contraction. Yeah. And so for those listening, when I say two-step delivery, yeah. and there are people who are like, I've never even heard of this. We're in uh, some Facebook groups for like labor and delivery nurses and things yeah. like that, just because we're always wanting to learn and see what people are experiencing. And, you know, sometimes, the, okay, the baby's head comes out. And then the provider oftentimes will pull on the baby's head. Yeah. And then they'll say that the baby's stuck because mm-hmm. the baby's shoulders are not coming out right away, mm-hmm. except that that's not what happened. It's that mm-hmm. when your baby's head comes out, they sit there for a minute until the next contraction, right? Contraction. They say, and they rest it too. And, then, and, that's, that's, and they that's what's happening.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yes their shoulders turn. So they are an active participant in their birth. Yeah. They are rotating a little bit. I call it the football spiral and mm-hmm. they're coming down. And then when that next contraction happens, I feel like that's a dirty word. I never say it. It sounds really weird coming out of my mouth, <laughs> but when the next contraction happens, <laughs> the shoulders rotate and the baby yeah. is able to come out very easily. And yeah. most of the time, that's what midwives do is they wait for that next one. And then the baby comes out because the mom pushes again and it works out Mm -hmm. great. But the providers in a hospital setting are not patient and they immediately start pulling on the baby's head and they call it a shoulder dystocia, even when it's not. And another thing that's going on is we're inducing early for suspected big babies and we're wanting to, you know, jumpstart the process to try to have the baby not weigh so much when it comes out. But the danger there is The baby may have been repositioning and two weeks from now, the baby may have been in the perfect optimal position, but right now it's not. And now we're shoving Pitocin at it, or we're preemptively breaking the waters so that we can start labor. And now the baby's in this crap position and it's even harder to get this quote unquote big baby out. And yeah. we're, we're,
1: we're inducing labor, we're adding all these medications that are just oh, it's yeah. not, it's not what labor feels like normally. And so it is harder to deal with and more people are likely to get epidurals, which means that you are more likely to be laboring on your back, which means that you're decreasing that the, the mm-hmm. pelvic, you know, the space in your pelvis, you are literally the in the risk of shoulder and, dystocia. And-
2: and helping, you're not helping your baby. You're disconnected from your body. You're disconnected from your baby. It's, uh, it's a whole thing. And unfortunately, if you don't see the problem in it, like I cannot talk anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's you know important about too. Because, so if yeah. y'all, anybody listening, what we're saying is that a provider shouldn't be making these choices for you. If yeah. you feel that you need an induction at 39 weeks for a suspected big baby because you have a gut intuition that something is wrong, please go do that. But don't do it because the doctor is scaring you out of your birth plan and out of a spontaneous natural birth. So yeah, yeah, if you want to get an epidural, go for it. We are not saying that. We're saying that the cascade of interventions that happens when unnecessary interventions are being imposed on you because of provider preference rather than evidence, that's when the big problem comes. And
1: I think this goes back to what Anya was talking about in in the beginning of this episode where, you know, just about shared decision making, like we have all of these different ways of making decisions. And some of that is the evidence and, uh, you know, what thing, what, what are the risks and the benefits? We always want to talk about that because it is helpful. And that is where your provider can come in helpful, but they are not inside your body. They do not have your primal instinct and you have to supply that and make that, um, make that decision together with your provider the problem is
2: also the words you know the words we are using and it is hard you know because I yeah I'm trying I'm trying to do my best not to I'm trying not to even answer you know because all the clients ask me what did you do with Leo you know like vaccines or I don't know or uh, whatever. circumcision anything, you know. Like, what did you do? I was like, well, this is, you know, my decision. I made it. You know, I read lots of literature. I made it. Here is the literature for you. Made it. I don't want my, you know, decisions uh, influence yours. You know, because uh, the same. That's 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 the biggest one, especially when, when we're talking about the induction. Um, how every single doctor said risks of stillborn baby doubles you know when you go post date it sounds horrific mm-hmm. even for me and i know the numbers and i'm like when when i hear it risks of stillborn baby doubles and you're like oh my god i don't want my baby stillborn i mean come on no one wants the like mother is a, this is the biggest spot house of your baby you know you can just touch it lightly and she will agree to anything Obviously, because she does, she wants her baby healthy. She wants her baby alive, and uh, the numbers are: it goes from zero point zero three to zero point zero
0: six. It's not even when you zero point one. Doubles, but when you say doubles, it sounds like there's fifty percent chance. Like that's how our brain. Literally, it's
2: how our brain interprets. You know, and even mine. You know, but me when too. I hear it,
0: you Know you're like, my goodness,
2: it's like exactly, it's like 50% chance my baby is gonna die, you know. But so we it's have not a friend, even, it's not even one, it's
0: 0.06, yeah. And we have a friend who's a doula who today, right now, Sam, I didn't tell you this, was at that birth of a mom <laughs> who's 43 weeks, three days, yeah. And she fired her provider and she's been without care and she has yeah. been checking at home with a Doppler. And that's just what she felt. She's a third time mom. And she just has Mm -hmm. this instinct that she's fine. Her water's released this morning. Heavy meconium Mm -hmm. went in. They wanted to give this baby, have a cesarean immediately. And mom said, no. And She said, I'm Mm -hmm. not even going to consent to a vaginal exam. They put her on the monitors. The baby's fine. And she just had her baby and her baby's fine. And it's like, but all of us are sitting around going 43 and three you know, the doctor and the nurse pulled the doula aside when she went in with them. And we're like, what is going on here? Like, why are yeah. you guys coming in right now? And she's like, I lead horse to water and you can't make a drink. Like she wasn't going to listen to me. This is her choice. This is not a doula's right. choice. This is the mom's choice. Insane. Shared
1: decision-making. Yeah. Yeah. You got to know what you, you got to know what you know. Even uh, I, I I was just listening to Rebecca Decker, who, who does the evidence-based mm-hmm. birth evidence-based. website. She had a post 42 weeks birth with with one of her babies and she is a nurse practitioner who is so, like she writes all of the evidence she has everything she is a scientist and she felt yeah. safe to do that because that's what her body told her was safe to do so exactly. uh, you know listen to your body it, it, it
2: exactly this is this is hard you know i i, I know um because we like we we need we need for walking, we need two legs, you know, and we need we need this support. Most of us not, like I do don't know many women like me who would say, "I don't need anyone and send her husband in another room and just literally give birth by herself without doula, without anyone present, you know uh i I, I don't know many women like that. most of us we need support. And it's a it's a teamwork, and one of the leg is like your internal, you know, support, your intuition, your like I don't know your all your feelings, your confidence, all the like that, and then your birth team, your partner, your doula, your midwife, your doctor, your know, hospital you choose, yeah. Most of us, we need two legs, you know, (laughs) this is hard when you have this internal uh, feeling and internal confidence, uh, but the other leg is like, "Uh I'm not sure you can do this, you know
0: yeah and so many of these things go together like it's funny we were gonna you know we're calling this the you know big babies episode but so many things go into this So big baby shoulder dystocia intuition post dates like (laughs) you know we may have to change the name of the episode but we're gonna have to have you back to talk about more of these things that people are so stinking afraid of and you know break it down a little bit i i think that this has been so awesome and and that was not how we anticipated the episode to so, go but we sorry, are
2: loving it sorry in the, in the very in the very beginning probably because i had a birth this night and i literally slept like four hours it took me a while i couldn't fall asleep adrenaline and everything you know so literally four hours after
1: we're recording this episode and i'm like okay <laughs> We're getting the fruits of it. This is such valuable information for everybody. I know. I mean, I think honestly, I think this is going to be such an amazing episode for our listeners because this is such valuable information. Um, and you know, I just, I just have to tell a, a quick little story before we move on to our, our last little thing here. And we, we had Anya supporting one of our, um, one of our own mamas, and she had a big baby uh was told she had a big baby and it was a it was a whole thing all the way through mama ended up um having a cesarean because her ginormous, absolutely huge, ginormous baby who decided to be breached. So Good. she just felt like what was best for her was to proceed with a cesarean. Her baby was not that big. I, I don't remember.
0: Was, she was like eight pounds or something. I think she was big eights. Yeah, like up. eight. eight, eight. Yeah, she, she I mean, was just fine. Normal, She was just fine. Normal. But
1: this mom came home from the hospital and, and got to have Anya do her postpartum care. And she had all of these um, all all of these influences from the hospital about how, you know, her baby Mm -hmm. needed to eat this often. And there was all of Mm -hmm. these, all all this Mm -hmm. fear about taking care of her baby. And, you know, Sierra and I were like, okay, well, one of us has to get over there so that we can help her with this and just help her reconnect. And then Anya went over for her postpartum visit before we got to go. And she just (laughs) called us and was like, Anya's amazing. She just helped me <laughs> reconnect with my body and my baby. And and I just feel so much more capable as a mother now because I had Anya there to, to help me <laughs> reconnect with myself. And I think that's just so, so beautiful. Starting off motherhood, yeah. With that, with that power is so important, and I, that's why we do what we do, right? We want. That's why we do what we do
2: exactly. that
1: power, and yes. I bring tears to my eyes. But I know I, I, she was. I, I she am was like, I am,
2: yeah. she goes. No, I did gonna, not she,
0: that." <laughs> yeah, she goes. She told me to just stop with all this triple feeding and just to nurse my baby. And oh my gosh, it's amazing! Like,
2: yeah, once everything just got her. out of the
0: way. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. And empowered, you know, you feel how women's changing. And because exactly this is I'm thinking about the past months probably a lot uh why am I doing what I'm doing, you know? Because I do believe we are changing the world, you know? Yes. It's not about the birth because this is influence you as a, a mother, as a woman, you know, like in all your aspects, in staying with you. Generations. Exactly. The way, you know, I am right now, I was absolutely different person before the birth, you know. The way of confidence, the way of love I have, you know, to share with my son, with everyone around, it goes from there, you know. We need, like, especially now, you know, all these wars, all this craziness, all the madness Mm -hmm. around us. We need more love.
0: Yes. So we need more oxytocin. And we need little boys that are growing into men that know what normal physiological birth is. And we need little girls that grow into women that know that they are capable. And I have one of each in my home. You have a little boy in your home. Samantha has one of each in her home. (laughs) And the the influence it has on them without us even realizing it does. They listen, 100%. they hear our conversations with moms, 100%. you know, uh, yeah. with families on the phone. So we just are just so thankful that you're willing to yeah. share your knowledge with us. And if you guys are in the Austin area, you have an opportunity with Anya. <laughs> she also has an amazing social media presence. So if you would like to kind I'm of, working plug, it. <laughs> you would like to girl, you working on it. <laughs> We're Crush in the it. grave if you're just working on it. Um, <laughs> you want to share how people can find you? And then we'll also add that information in the show notes.
2: Yes. Yeah, so um, mostly I'm on Instagram, probably. That's the best way to connect with me. Uh, I'm Anya Castile, A-N-Y-A-T-A-S-T-E-L. Uh, and that's pretty much that's where you can find my website, you know, and work with me as a doula or the midlife or... As a childbirth educator, we'll see. You know, I started. I I, I started to put more attention to my um, social presence uh, because I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But at some point, I uh, would like to be a travel midwife. You know, and um, I don't want to stick in Austin. I want to
0: be able to move around. You know, no, absolutely unacceptable. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna cut that part out because you're staying here. <laughs> we cannot no, lose you. Season. We just got you.
2: That's right. Eight eight years here. It feels like it's my home already. You know, because I'm definitely this is this this literally feels like my home. I have all my all mm-hmm. my community, all my friends. Everyone's here. My family. And my 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 parents live here too. Oh. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So that's that's um that's how you can contact me and you know ask the questions and we'll see how I can help
1: <laughs> I love it so much thank you so much for coming on Anya this was of amazing and we're blessed to have you in Austin and we can't wait to to have a million babies with you we're gonna send everybody to you. <laughs> <laughs> thank we'll you see. yes
2: thank you so much thank you
1: Thank you for joining us on Birth, baby. Thanks again to Longing for Orpheus for our music. You can look him up on Spotify. Remember to leave a review, share, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week.